0: We are in uh, the church calendar. We're in uh, Transfiguration Sunday. This is a Sunday where churches all over the world talk about this kind of mystical story in, in the Gospels of the Transfiguration. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, tonight we are in Luke. Uh, let me go ahead and read it again, and then we will uh, talk about uh, kind of one particular thing I got hung up on this week uh, in this passage. Uh, it says this, uh, Luke 9, verses 28 through 36 says, Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. What a crazy story, right? Transfiguration Sunday, there so many choices for us to focus on, right? We could focus on Jesus' place in kind of the Jewish history among the heroes of faith, why these two people, Moses and Elijah, might show up there and what that might mean for the ongoing story that's going on. Uh, You could talk about Jesus being identified as God's son here by the voice of God. We could talk about the command to listen to Jesus. Um, We could talk about uh, God telling uh, Jesus' followers not to build him anything, but instead just to listen and follow Or the choice of the disciples who witnessed this miracle to remain silent for the near future. These are all interesting ideas, all the things I think I've probably preached on over the years on Transfiguration Sunday, because we've had to preach on this a lot, right? But this week, I was struck by kind of a a larger, kind of 10,000-foot view of things. I was struck by just the experiential nature of this encounter, how all the senses Uh, were being engaged, maybe even assaulted (laughs) at different points here, right? You have these disciples, and they feel, right? They feel tired. They feel awestruck. They feel terrified. They see, right? They see glory and light and transfiguration and apparitions of people who have long since been gone. They see white clouds or white light and clouds. They hear, they hear prayer and conversation, and they hear, they hear the voice of God, fully embodied experience that they are having, right? And one of the things that I just hadn't really thought about, I don't think before, I don't think I've ever preached on this before. Of course, I've been talking a long time now and I don't remember half of what I said, 99% of what I've said. But one of the things that struck me is they're having this fully embodied experience and they almost missed it. Did you catch that Luke tells us that they're, quote, weighed down with sleep? But, Since they had stayed awake, they saw da-da-da-da-da, right? They almost fell asleep. They almost slept through it deep down. And you know that feeling. You know, they've been doing a lot. They just walked up the mountain. They've been watching someone else pray, which generally speaking is not a high, you know, fun spectacle. Their eyelids are heavy. They are tired. They just wanted, deep down, they wanted to not be present for whatever's happening next, but they stayed awake, right? they really just wanted to sleep. And I'll be honest, this is one of those places where I can relate to those disciples, except I don't even need nearly as good an excuse as they had to sleep through something or to miss it altogether. Have you ever had that where you decided to call it an early night? There's a group, maybe you're hanging out and you go, ah, I'm done. And you head back. And then of course, the next day you hear the story The amazing, epic spectacle that happened after you left, and you missed it, right? You just wanted to go to bed, you just wanted to stay in the night, and you missed the night. Every time I get back together with my friends who I lived with in Athens for a while, which is, of course, a great music city, we always reminisce about when we saw that band that played in that small club before they got famous. And, and one of them was this band called The Strokes. They got really super famous right after they came through Athens. You got to see them with just like 100 people and it's this amazing show, right? It was so much fun. And then we had that one friend that we knew who uh, was a very nice guy, but it had a few too many, it would appear, and we were hanging out, and you know, everyone's hanging out afterwards, and he runs up to the tour bus and starts trying to look in the window and see if he can see through, and he's banging on the window and yelling his love for the group, right? I don't know if they thought they would invite him in to hang out or what. Obviously, that didn't work. That's not usually the way to get someone's attention, and we'd laugh about it. Do you remember how much fun we had that night, how much we laughed that night? And the answer I have is no, I don't. Because that night I decided to stay home. And I watched a movie and I went to bed early because I really wanted to save that $20. $20 I saved. And I missed the night that they still talk about when everyone gets together. And assume I was there because I was always there. Except for that night, the night, I was not there. I literally slept through the experience my friends still talk about. Because the problem with having a transcendent experience is you don't always know when they're going to happen. In fact, you almost never know when they're going to happen. When you try to plan for them, it rarely works out. And if you're quick to choose the easier path, you might just miss it. You might just sleep through it, right? But they kept their eyes open. Good on you, disciples. They make a lot of mistakes in the Gospels. They got it right here. They kept their eyes open. But that's not the only way you can miss it. They didn't fall asleep, which was great, but halfway through the experience, they did something that we are all very familiar with, maybe more familiar with than any group of people in history when it comes to inventing ways of missing something. In the middle of the experience, they tried to mediate it. They tried to memorialize it. This is my preferred method of missing things on a daily basis. I don't know about you. As it turns out, If you put a really nice camera in my pocket that I can get to quickly, use any time, in a short amount of time, there will not be a single funny moment, cute look for my kid, or even tasty meal that I don't feel compelled to immediately mediate through that camera and memorialize for all of you who are desperate to see it online. I loved it. Do it all the time. You do too. Most of you do. Maybe you're better than me, but most of you are as bad as I am at it, right? And don't get me wrong, I don't think it's an altogether bad thing. I'm true, truly grateful uh, for a lot of it, right? I've got a video of loved ones that are precious to me that I have now, and I'm so glad I have those things. I've got pictures of moments that I'm so glad I captured of my kids because they grew up so fast. I'm, I'm happy for all that. And it's even an important biblical idea to memorialize something, right? Stack these stones here so we remember what God did. Put this rainbow in the sky so we all know what God promised, right? Each week, do this in remembrance of me. There's nothing wrong with memorializing something. But there is something we can lose in there, isn't there? Because now, what would have previously required an entire airport hangar to store fits in our pocket. If you would have told me at 15 years old that every song that had ever been created in the world I'd be able to access from a device in my pocket at any moment, my mind would have exploded. And now all the important experiences, all the important things can be converted into little zeros and ones and we have infinite space and we can capture it all. And especially those of us who have lived without it at some point in our life know we're starting to lose something, aren't we? We all know it. We all know we've let it get a little out of control. I don't know a single person my age that goes, man, I wish we would have had social media when I was in high school. In fact, most of, us, most of us, it's part of our prayer of thanks every day to the Lord that most of what we did in high school was not memorialized in any way, shape, or form. We've let it get a little out of control, haven't we? I feel terrible for anyone who's not at least six foot three at a concert nowadays because if you aren't in the front row or tall like me, you will have to watch most of the show through the phone screen of the person in front of you. Because this is how everyone watches a concert now. And it's annoying. I was at a show a couple years ago with those same guys who got to have the epic night that I missed. And we were watching a guy we all like who's, who's got this great stage persona. His name is Father John Misty. And uh, he's just great to watch. He was doing an amazing show. We happened to be right up in the front and everyone had their phones out, uh, including me. I had my phone out, but I, I had it down here because I'm more involved than everyone else and I wanted to experience it, but I also wanted to film it because later on, of course, I'd experience it again, even though I've never actually watched that video. And he was, he's very interactive with the crowd and he's singing and he's doing a show and he comes down. And as he was coming down across the front where I was at, everyone that had their phone out, he would stick his hand against their phone while he was singing and he would push their phone down and not miss a beat, did it to me too. He saw me sneaking, sneaking the video down here at my chest level, stuck his hand. I've got video of Father John Misty face palming my phone, right? And then the last person on the line though, he got down to that last person and he took their phone from them. And he held it out in front of him like his own cameraman doing kind of a selfie video. And he finished the last half, and this is like his most famous song, and he, I mean, he got into it. He sang beautifully, and he emoted, and he, I mean, he just was singing to the camera. And everyone in there was kind of like, oh, man, how cool if that was your phone, right? I mean, you're going to have this forever. He's just singing into it, and he's moving, him. he's doing his own camera work. It's it's amazing, right? And he he finishes the song, and he's still holding the guy's phone, uh, the camera, and then he turns it around. And he hits the button, and then he, you, he hits play, because you can hear, then you can hear him singing from the phone on his microphone, and he watches it for like 20 seconds, kind of a long time in a concert, they have nothing going on. You can hear the song playing again, and he goes, nailed it, right? And everyone kind of laughs, and then he goes, delete. <laughs> and he says the word delete, and deleted the video off the person's phone. And there was an audible groan from the audience because it was, it was a lot of people who were 20-year-old very hurt that he had destroyed this thing that was so important, right? And he got a real kick out of the, the groan, as did a lot of us who were about the same age, uh, kind of laughed at it, but he just deleted it right there and then handed the phone back to the guy. And I love it. it was such a great, uh, great thing because he just kept kind of doing this thing to all of us, like, hey, just experience the concert. Stop. Stop. Right? Somewhere along the way, that which was supposed to mediate and memorialize the experience has become the experience, right? And we all know it's not a good trend. And I'm not going to spend a bunch of time going into the well-treaded bemoaning of kids and their phones these days, like it's just the kids. (laughs) But the fact that we now have a category of accidental death called selfie deaths might be the canary on our collective coal mine, right? And then you throw the gasoline on it. The isolation of the last couple years where even our friendships were mediated by screens. And we can have the sense where the medium is becoming the message. How we memorialize things, how we mediate things might actually be compromising the very thing they're supposed to be pointing us towards and helping us remember. I don't think I'm the only person in this room that has begun to feel a degree removed from the experiences I wished I was having. Friendships, bad news, good news, grief, food, work, sex, dating, all mediated. Never been a time in history when it's been easier to memorialize any of it, and as far as we know, never been a time when people have felt more disconnected from all of it. All one degree removed from feeling fully present, or maybe even present at all. And I think it comes, maybe I'm reading into it, but I think it comes from the same impulse we see in these disciples. This amazing thing is happening around them. And they say, Master, it is good for us to be here, and they could have just left it there, but it's good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings. Let's capture it. Let's keep it. Let me memorialize it. Let me mediate it through this thing. Let me hold on to this thing. It's good for me to be here. Now let me distract myself from actually being here by memorializing it, right? We should mediate this. Let's put something between me and what is happening. And I'm not sure why we do it. I'm not sure why I do it. I don't know if it makes me feel safer or if it's just easier or what it is. But I think we all know that impulse can only imagine how the scene would have gone if the disciples had iPhones in their pockets, right? They felt driven to do this, and so do we. And how does God respond? How does God respond to this impulse? God literally blocks their shot. He clouds their lens. God removes anything that could mediate or memorialize. He robs them of the ability to do anything but be there and experience it. And then he says, this is a loose translation, hey, listen, listen up, pay attention, be here. And not only do they not build something, not only do they not create this thing to mediate or to capture the moment, they stop talking altogether. They don't say another word to anyone about anything for a long time apparently. I mean, eventually someone must have said something. We got the story, right? But they're just quiet. They were just there. And maybe I'm reading into it too much. Maybe I'm just bringing too much of my own baggage to the table. But I think that's the word, at least for me tonight, if not for us. Just, hey, pay attention. Be here. Because it has never been more easy or more tempting to just mix the experience, the gift of the experiences we have. Because I'm a hero, I'm a little more than a week into having deleted all the social media apps from my phone. I know, I'm very godly. I'll pause for applause. I didn't delete them all together. If I need them from work or whatever, I can access them through a computer or an iPad or whatever other things I have, I'm sure. But it's just not sitting in my pocket all the time. Uh, And as it turns out, I was spending way more time on that stuff than I thought I was. Because it is crazy to me this week how fidgety I have felt and how much time I have had to fill with actually being where I was. I mean, my kids are finally realizing there's a bottom half to my face, and they're not sure what to do with it. They just thought there was that black box there all the time, right? Instead of automatically pulling out the phone and doom-scrolling for no reason other than mentally leaving where I am, I'm forced to be here, to see it, to feel it, to experience it, good, bad, and ugly. And like most of you this week, I had plenty of reason to try and avoid what I was feeling or experiencing, good, bad, or ugly. Right. By the end of this week, I was uh, laughing with Sarah. I'm almost missing my old flip phone now. Except I don't want to text on it because I'm, I'm not that much of a saint. And that's, some sacrifices are just too much to make, even for the Lord, right? But I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to find out how to just be here. Because I know I'm missing it. And I want to be careful uh, not to send any guilt trips anyone's way. But I think it gets at why also being here, I mean like in this room on a Sunday, why being here is so vital. I'm grateful we can record it uh, for those who can't be here, who are unable to be here or who are investigating from afar. I'm glad for the video recording. I'm glad for the audio recording. I'm grateful for those that listen. There's people who are listening to this right now you know, walking the track at the YMCA or whatever it is they're doing. Maybe they attend other churches or or whatever. Happy to have you. Thanks for listening in. I understand it's not necessarily safe for some people to be here yet or they don't feel able to. But also, I mean, unless you really can't, be here. Be here. Don't settle for a mediated encounter with God or your community. It's just not the same thing. I know it's easier not to be here. I know you are tired, because I am tired. I know right now you could be relaxing at your house, or maybe even taking a nap, which, to be honest, sounds awesome. I get it. We, we, we didn't have Sunday night about four weeks ago because the COVID numbers got bad and so many people were out and we didn't have volunteers. So we just called a week off and I spent a Sunday night on my couch watching football. I get it. I am not nearly as exciting as a good NFL game. The band is good, but you know, being home is pretty awesome. I understand. I don't blame you. I know you can catch the video recording or still hear the sermon, but that's not why we gather to get 20 minutes of words from me. Thank God it's more important than that. We are here to consistently experience something together. To live a reality together. And it can't be mediated any other way. We're here for something together. And I don't mean that in the sense of entertainment and you are consumers. We are not that. We shouldn't be like that. That is not what church is about. We are here to have a fuller experience each way, to see a glory that nothing else quite captures. We meet to see each other's faces and feel each other's arms around our shoulders. We pray to know that our burdens are not our own and to hear our concerns become others' concerns. We listen to Scripture together to remember the story that existed before us and will go on after us and uh, within which we are subsumed. We tell the stories to each other to know we are not alone and to know that our story is part of a much larger one. We sing to lift up the better angels of our nature and to feel some small sense of a transcendent creator and the goodness that God gives us. We walk down the aisle, hopefully every week again soon, to taste the bread and the juice in our mouths again and be reminded of whose table we find ourselves invited to. We are in this room to see and hear and taste and feel something bigger than ourselves. And yes, some weeks it feels like more of an obligation than transcendence. I get it. It does for me too. I'm probably not supposed to say that, but it does. But you never know when the transcendence will happen. And you can guarantee you'll miss it if you're not here 100% of the time. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes that thing we need the most, sometimes the room glows in some way that we can't put our finger on. And even if it doesn't for you, it might for the person next to you because you are here. Sometimes we are changed or healed or at the very least, at least emboldened for another week in this broken world. Be here. And when you're here, be here. It matters. You get the point. I'll wrap it up. Maybe we can just confess that we are like the disciples. We are more likely to mediate what is happening around us than we are to just actually be there and experience it. But may we remember that this life is a gift, these moments matter. This place and this time with our Creator is a gift. May we commit to showing up to the life we have been given and being there when we do. The only way to worship an incarnate God is to be present. So let's wake up. Let's be here now. Let's listen to the one who was made present for us. Let's pray. God, we confess that we are quick. We are quick to find a reason to not be where we are. That when life can be uh, so full of tragedy and disappointment and confusion, that we will often reach for that thing that helps us just to not feel whatever we're trying to feel. To not see what we don't want to see, to not experience what we're not ready to experience. God, we pray for the courage and the faith to be present. Or to be present in this world so we might be your presence in this world. Thank you for being a God who was here. Who took flesh and blood and dwelt among us, who walked the same earth we walked, who ate at the same table, who drank from the same cup, who bled in the same way we do, who wept in the same way we weep, who died in the same way we will all die, and who was pushed through the other side of death into a resurrection that is made available to us as well. Help us to be here as you were here. God, we do love you. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen.